Hey everyone, this is Trip Bodenheimer, host of the Shadows Podcast. We believe that everyone has a truly unique, real-life story to tell. We interview a diverse cast of guests on their highs and lows, their tragedies and triumphs, and how they ultimately got to where they are today. We're a firm believer that we can all relate and learn from one another's stories. Check out new episodes every Monday on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all podcast platforms. Hello, everyone. You are now listening to the Ignite Podcast. I am your host and guardian of the torch, Caleb Pearson. When you listen to Ignite, you are joining a community of individuals that are intentional, generous, noble, intelligent, tenacious, and who all strive for excellence. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce the next torchbearer, the passionate Kenneth Carter III. Good evening, Kenneth. How you doing, Caleb? I'm all right. How are you doing this evening? Doing well. Doing well. Good, good. Was it a busy day for you? or <laughs> Every day's a busy day. <laughs> it's always a busy day. <laughs> and, and, and freight, that's what it is. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, it's, it's always a busy day for, for me. But like I said before in our previous discussions, I, I'm usually the creator of my own stresses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm finding a way to overcome all that. Uh, it's great to have you on the show tonight. I know we've got a lot of great information and things to talk about for our listeners. So uh, we're going to get right in and uh, in introducing you and letting them know who Kenneth Carter III is. Kenneth is the president of a maritime Freight and Logistics, which is a professional freight brokerage firm providing logistics services for businesses in the United States and Canada. Kenneth started his business venture in 2020 after being in the industry since 2001. Immediately after high school, Kenneth joined the U.S. Army as a motor transport operator following his mother's footsteps as a driver in the military. He brings values of, of professionalism, empathy, reliability, care, and honesty into every interaction in and out of business. His many years as a driver extended through his entire career driving for multiple companies, including holding leadership roles as shipping manager, receiving manager, and regional manager for Fortune 500 transportation and logistics company responsible for leading a team of professional drivers on day-to-day -day activities and supply chain management, including assisting FEMA with logistics services during Florida's Hurricane Matthew in 2016. That's amazing, Kenneth. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Kenneth's purpose is to fill lives with optimism and work to engender positive self-worth. He believes every person has a purpose and wants to help them see that for themselves by providing his personal stories of hardship, failure, and the reinvention of himself to guide them away from negativity and toxic environments. That is some bio, Kenneth. That is Thank you. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And as I previously, you know, told you, I, I, I saw you on LinkedIn and immediately I was like, this this guy has he's got a story and some some lessons to teach out there. So I, I wanted to reach out immediately and I thank you for your 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 quick response. Oh yeah. Thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. So it is now that time for Kenneth to take up the torch. Are you ready to ignite these minds? Yes, I am. All right, sir. The torch is yours. All right. So uh, like Caleb said, my name is Kenneth Carter III. I started the, the industry of freight at a young age, following my own footsteps, like the bio said. And uh, 
everything was all good and everything seemed like it was going right and it was all you know on my side and I realized that I never really had a purpose I realized that I was just driving down the road without a destination and I'll tell you that's probably the worst thing you can do it's dangerous so like I use an analogy from when I went to prison man it was me having a full tank of gas and a brand new car with a lot of money in my pocket and I was just driving without a destination and eventually the money runs out the fuel runs out and you have to stop and you have to pull over to get fuel well if you don't know where you're going it doesn't matter where you pull over at hmm. and in my analogy I pulled over at the wrong exit where I didn't have fuel or I couldn't get fuel. And that was the prison. And from there I realized I, I have to, whatever I do, I have to have a destination, be it small or be it large, you gotta have a destination. And, and that's what I'm here to do now. That sounds very familiar to me, really. Uh, obviously not the same kind of situations, but kind of going through things in life and finding out that you've got to have a def- or a destination depending on the experiences that you have and at some point you come to this stage in your life where man you're like I really don't know where I'm going let me get a grips on this and let me find out where I'm headed yeah definitely sometimes you, it's too late unfortunately and at other times people feel like it's too late and it's never too late, mm-hmm. no matter what you go through. And I'm here to tell you, you can go through the worst and lose it all and and still come back out and say, you know what? I'm not going to let that loss define my life. And I refuse to do that. Uh, you know, I've never been in trouble. And when I went to prison, uh, my biggest fear was not going into prison. It was coming out as a felon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's bad. And, it, you know, everybody knows that stigma on felons. You can't find a job or they don't pay you well. And I was thinking like, you know, I've drove my whole life. I've been on high leadership roles and I'm gonna get out now and not, not be able to find a job off because of that two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You're not looking about last 15 years of success. And I decided not to let that define me. And I decided not to ever check that felon box. And from that moment, I realized it's time to start a business. So, Something interesting that you said, your biggest fear was not the fact that you were going to prison. It's the fact of you were coming out with that label of of being a felon. What kind of things did you experience? Well, one, when you got out of prison and you are now, you know, a felon, did that at first keep you from maybe seeking jobs or seeking occupation? because of the stigma, as you said, or maybe the stain that is now on your name, so to speak, or your reputation, uh, did that hold you back from trying to uh, go and kind of start over? Or how, how did you handle that? Well, I was in a work release program for good behavior. So when I got out, I, was already, I already had a job. I had a job while I was in towards the, uh, the end of my sentence. So when I got out, I still had a job. Now, nothing has stopped me from ever pursuing it, but I just didn't even, I don't want to say that I, I'm afraid to go get the no, mm-hmm. but I'm not even going to get an opportunity to tell me no. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to create my own path. So then, so is that when you were really thinking about going into business for yourself? Yes, but that was while I was in. Mm. So while I was in, um, I just took a look in the mirror one day or the makeshift mirror they had. And I was embarrassed by what I've done mm. and where I'm at. And that's that's when I had to take that hard look and say, hold on, something's wrong. You know, this is not who you are. This is not where you should be. Mm-hmm. Now, you deserve it because I am going to hold myself accountable and I'm responsible for my actions. But that moment, you know, I never wanted to own a business. I never want that responsibility. Mm-hmm. But now that everything's been taken from me, now I want some responsibility. And, and I decided to just create my own path and make my own life. Mm. Now that everything is taken away from you, now you want the responsibility. That's that's actually pretty interesting and in a, in a really good statement. And then you also talked about uh, self-reflection while you were um, incarcerated what 
you talked a little bit about what you saw, but can you talk to us a little bit more about the person that you saw back in your reflection, how that made you feel? And then how did you overcome uh, in arriving to, I'm sure, what self-forgiveness and self-worth for any of the listeners that are kind of struggling with that right now? Yeah, so um, the person I saw in that reflection was not the person that I was. You know, on the outside, I was this guy that's incarcerated. I'm wearing a uniform like everyone else. And I looked deeper than that. I looked into my eyes and I realized like, you know, this is this is not good. This is not your purpose and you have more potential. Mm-hmm. So for the people who feel like, you know, they can't do it or something's standing in the way, you got to look deeper and, and know that you have potential no matter what anyone says to you or what you've been told your whole life. Mm. You know, you, you have potential and you need to go after it and don't let anything stop you. And, and I, I will say the lesson that I learned was to not think about money mm. because like I said, when everything's taken away from you, you don't have money. You know, you have to find the resources you can. I can't just get any book. I have to go to the library and get whatever books they have. And and I started building a business without any money in mind because I didn't have any money. Mm. I knew when I got out, I wasn't going to have any money. So that that didn't stop me. I sat every day and I, I wrote stuff down. I read books. I read every self-help book. I read every business book. And I ran out of books in there to where I started calling my family to send me books. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's because there was the money hindrance wasn't in my thoughts. Did it help add value into what you were reading, uh, like personal value into what you were reading, knowing that you were having to do all of this kind of for yourself without any help? Did that help add, I guess, credibility and value to what you were in in taking? Yes. Yes, it did, because I removed. Well, I didn't. You know, I didn't intentionally remove, but everything was removed from me. Friends, family, those toxic people who I was around. You know, I've never never said it on a recording, but I had 2,500 phone numbers in my Mm. phone when Mm. I went to prison. (laughs) When I got got there, I had three people reach out. Mm. (laughs) I had 2,500 people. And and that was great for me. It would open my eyes and say people that are really not there for me, they're there for what I can do for them. And if you're doing the right thing and the positive thing, those people that are bad for you, they're going to eventually leave and you don't have to push them out. Just do what you have to do. So, yeah, being there without anything definitely motivated me and kept me focused. I know the circumstances probably weren't ideal, but, you know, you, you start to think about, man, like if I didn't experience this, um, would I still have this circle of toxicity around me? Uh, I, I, I mean, I was, I wasn't in prison, but I did go to jail for, uh, about, about eight days or so. And I was, I was young, I was 18, 17. Um, and you know, it was a big group of us, but for whatever reason, I'm the only one that stayed in jail for as long as I did. Everybody else either bailed out or had people come get them out my mom was like no you you gonna sit there right (laughs) but when I got out none of those people that were in the same predicament as me nobody was there and it made me realize just like you said that one I need to take a look at my myself what I'm doing and I need to take a look at who's around me so how did that experience help or how did that affect now who you let in your circle who who you deal with now well I don't have that cynical thought I'm Mm -hmm. not that person I don't hate people I at first I was resenting the people that was really close to me and Mm -hmm. wasn't reaching out then eventually I got over it that's what time does and I couldn't reach out to them so that that helped me because I realized that I have to do it for myself and I know that no one's there for me. And for people to come into my circle, I don't have that lock on the door. The door is open. It's just if I allow you to stay. Mm. And if you don't talk the way I'm talking, if you don't talk business, if you don't talk future, if you don't talk positive, 
then you won't be around long. Mm. And that's just, it's just that simple. So anybody can come in as if you're going to stay or not. I like that. And, you know, today we're we're talking about some of your setbacks and then owning and divorcing those setbacks. Let's talk about the owning part. What is the process of that? And it sounds difficult. I think a lot of people don't want to get to that part. They don't want to take ownership for maybe the way life has dealt them or that the the hand that they were dealt. Some people struggle with that. So what's your experience with that owning part? Well, I would say that it's not that they don't want to do it. They don't know how. Mm. And we don't know how. We're not taught to own mistakes. We're not taught to take the blame and take all the heat. You know, just naturally, we try to get rid of it or, or deflect it. But for me, owning it means, and this is my process, writing down every negative weakness I have. I wrote them down and it took me two, three weeks to write them down because it's not like you said, it's not easy mm. to look at yourself and say, you know, you're doing this bad or you're you treat people like this or you make people feel this way. That is not easy. But uh, I've said before, it's so easy to point at somebody else and I can say, hey, Caleb, I know he likes this and Caleb gets mad when you do this and Caleb will do this if you do this for him. But when I ask myself, well, what about you? And you get stuck. It's like, you know more about other people than you know about yourself because you're too busy looking at everybody else and never looking into yourself. Mm. So I had to do that, write those, that list down. And after three weeks, uh, writing that list, I, every day I try to tackle one and do something intentional to get away from it. So, you know, like we was talking before the recording, assertiveness, mm. yeah. <laughs> saying no. Saying no, that is my that was my biggest weakness. I mean, I'm a people pleaser like yourself, try to help everybody out, but everybody don't want help. Some people mm. just want you to do it for them. Mm. And that's what landed me in jail. It's not the it's not the root cause, but uh I was uh selling drugs and I stopped and started working for the, the Fortune 500 company and I kept that same circle around. So that's mistake number one, because if you just because you stop doing something, if those people are still around, they're still doing it. You're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Point blank. You're guilty by association. And uh, the guy kept asking me for to, to buy something. I kept telling him no. And I finally said, you know what? I'm, let me help this man out. And after two different two separate occasions, I said yes. The second time was his uh, buddy, which was an undercover. So I was set up by undercover cop. Oh, wow. And all I had to do was say no. Nobody forced me. (laughs) All you had to do was say no. Those two words. Mm. So those words, you cannot have an emotion attached to it. No, it's just what it is. You can't do it because you have to really look at yourself and like, what is it doing for you? Mm. And I'm not saying that to be in a selfish way. And you can definitely be selfless by saying no. But you just, you got to, if it doesn't benefit you or hurts you, then say no. If it doesn't benefit you or hurt you, say no. And, you know, we we were speaking before and I was telling you that's one of the things that I had to really learn to overcome. And you talked about how people see that and will take advantage of that. How would you tell some of our listeners that uh, that maybe have that same kind of struggle that you and I had? What would you say to them that? They want to learn how to say no, but maybe they're afraid of how the people that they need to say no to are going to react. Maybe they're afraid that they won't mess with them or anything anymore. What would you say to that? Say no and see their reaction. Mm-hmm. And if they don't react positively, then they don't need to be in your life anyways. Because mm-hmm. then they don't respect you. That's point blank. You know, somebody asks me something, or I'm sorry, I ask someone something, they say no. I have to respect that they said no, and I don't need a reason why. I just have to respect that. So you say no, even if you got to say it lightheartedly. You know, you may say it it as a joke just to see the reaction because, you know, it takes time to build that muscle. Mm -hmm. Say no as a joke and see their reaction. And if 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 they tense up or anything like that and... And, you know, they give you that negative reaction, then, you know, they need to go. There was a 
a saying that I saw a while back that says, um, not everyone you lose is a loss. <laughs> I like that. Right? So not everybody that you lose in your life is necessarily a loss. Sometimes to change your circumstances, you need to change your circle. Right. Mm. We, we tend to hold on to that, that that's my best friend from mm. high school thought. Oh, that's this person. This person did that for me. You're 25 years old and you haven't seen that best friend since you were 17. That's not your best friend. <laughs> if you see each other once a year, it's not your best friend. And it's okay because we travel different paths. Mm -hmm. And you can still be cordial with that person. You can still be friends with that person or acquaintances, I should say. But that doesn't mean that you have to jump for them just because they actually for something because you did something for them back when y'all was 17. Mm. Mm. And I had to understand that. I had to learn that. And I kept saying it, started wondering, why am I saying that this person is my best friend? <laughs> and it's eight, eight to 10 years later and I'm still saying it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I cut that out. But that's it's, it's that old way of thinking. And so we've been talking about owning kind of these setbacks, owning some of these uh, shortcomings, these fallings in our lives and our life experiences through self-reflection, through identifying. And you said you write down the, your, the negatives that you know that, that are uh, in you, things that you have done or you know are, or you know that you will do or could do or just identifying those things. And I'm so glad that you said that uh, because as you talked about before it's really really hard for people to shine the light on themselves we're real quick to, to put a flashlight in somebody else's face and telling them everything that they did wrong and how their wrong affected your wrong <laughs> yes still not taking responsibility and still not taking responsibility and still not owning um the parts that we played in our own setback Right. I mean, like with the story I told you with the undercover, I wasn't set up. I set myself up. Because mm. if I say I was set up, I'm going to get out and do it again and make sure I don't get set up. Mm. But I set myself up so I can control that. That is that right there. What you just said, you said, if I told myself that I got set up, then I'm leaving myself open to go do it again because <laughs> it's not your fault in your it's head. <laughs> Right? right, it's not it's not my fault. So maybe if I try it this time in this way, and I avoid a setup, maybe I could be successful this time or whatever. That's right. wow, wow. The, the the prison system will teach you a lot. You see people that's been there two, three, four, ten, eleven, thirteen times, mm -hmm. and one thing that you see that's a common theme is it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. It was innocent. Mm -hmm. or somebody set them up and that's how i learned that i learned it from those people that continue to come in in and out of the system or blame the system mm -hmm. you know you can't blame the system the system is just the system either it works or it doesn't work you have to put yourself in it to, to afford not to work mm. yeah you you might have got 10 years and you should have got five but you still got time because you're you doing something mm. and you hear it so many times people say oh I beat the system. I could have got 10 years. I only got five. If you listen to that on the outside, you still lost five years of your life. So how did you win? <laughs> You're still losing. Mm. So I refuse to give my time to anyone anymore. Mm. And time is, is it's, it's such a fleeting thing. It's the one thing you can never get back. What did you do with your, or better yet, how has your perspective on time and the value of time changed um, after you were incarcerated? How do you view time now? I'll tell you to go back, that time wasn't a factor before. It was mm -hmm. just kind of do what you do and hang out and party and chill and just do it the next day. Time didn't matter. It was, it was night and day, that's it. Mm. The way it changes now, it started inside this, in the cell when it was like I was running out of time, I had to change my whole train of thought. And that was the best thing I've done. The whole time I was in there, I was nervous to get out. Mm. Why? Because I wasn't finished doing what I had to do. 
and I knew that once I get out, the time will, will kick back up and it'll go a little faster. Mm. So while majority of the people are looking for the, the time to get out, I'm trying to stay in as long as I can just to hurry up and finish, mm. to finish what I had to get done. And I still ran out of time. But I started the business inside that inside that cell. Mm. Other people got out and was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Wow. Just make sure. Yeah, it, it was it's definitely a different uh mindset change. And your your the business you're speaking of is your business in in uh freight, uh Ameritan. Am I saying that right? Ameritan? Yeah, Ameritan. Ameritan Freight and Logistics. Uh tell us a little bit about that. And so why the, the brokerage side? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> So what we do is we arrange shipments for people. So we have clients that need stuff moved. They don't have trucks. A lot of companies don't own their own trucks. It's, it's just cheaper to outsource. So instead of them going to find trucks all day, that's what we do. We are the people they call or email, and it's our job to go find trucks for them and set up a contract and negotiate the rates for them to get that truck moved on a day-to-day basis. And the reason for freight is I've always had the, I guess, the negotiation and sales in me. I just used it for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much being a freight broker, you're a middleman. The difference is now I always say that I'm a legal middleman. You know, I can do something good. And I, I can help clients get what they need moved. And I can help the, the truck drivers make money and find the product for them to move. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm helping people in both ways. And it's amazing. Right, right. And I really wanted to ask you that question because I, I I wanted it to be known that you did all of that self-educating and you started up your business while you were still um, incarcerated. And I wanted listeners to be able to hear the worth that you built within yourself uh, and from your level of intelligence and expertise in the field that you decided to go into in opening your own business. You know, I, f- I feel like there is a, a really bad, un- unnecessary stigma on previously incarcerated, you know, members of our, of our community. My, my father was uh, in, he served in, uh, I think he was in prison for like 13 years or so, and he has his own business now, but um there's it's just something I think people have a way of like looking at felons and in in a in a way that's almost lesser than. And you just sat here and told me about freight and I didn't know any of those words. Like I don't I like <laughs> you know, like you you educated me, you know, like life continues whether you're behind bars or not, and so does right. development. And you chose to take that intention. Um, and develop yourself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I made sure that I use my time as, as most of our kids utilize the best of my time. Like I said, I read books and I wrote business plans. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote out every system that I needed. And I started the thoughts of trucking and I moved to freight because trucking, I realized I didn't, I wanted to help everyone. And trucking, you just kind of help yourself or help your drivers. Mm-hmm. But being in a broker, you help both sides. And, um, it's, it's about facing your fears, too. I mean, first of all, you're walking through prison with a book in your hand always. You are already going to look down like, oh, this guy's weak or he's soft because all he wants to do is read and all he wants to do is learn. But I'll tell you, when I was talking about the environment and the people around you, I had people come around me and I started teaching freight and business inside the cell mm. because those people that really wanted to do better by themselves and learn business, they'll, they'll gravitate towards you. Mm. And the people that was negative, they say something stupid or make a joke, but they'll they'll eventually move and they'll leave you alone because you're not dealing with them. And uh, uh, I faced my fears there. And I also faced my fears when I went to work release. I started making sales calls. So <clears throat> I wasn't on the Internet uh, scrolling, looking for anything. I was calling businesses saying, hey, I'm a freight broker. And I wasn't. Just want you remember that I was not a freight broker. Didn't even have a real company yet. But I was calling and said, hey, I'm a freight broker. Is there anything I can do to help you move your freight? They said, yeah, I would have to figure it out. But <laughs> but it was getting over that hump. Mm. And so when I get out, it's easy to make calls. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Wow. Owning, owning your setbacks, self-reflection, writing down some of those things about yourself, taking ownership for your own setbacks or the things that you are responsible for. And then you go into divorcing, separating. That's, that's the key. What, what's, that, what's that process? Okay, so owning it, take responsibility. Once you take responsibility and hold yourself accountable, then you have to divorce it. Let it go. It's over with. Mm. What you did, you did. If it was bad, it's over. You can ask for forgiveness by everyone in the world, even yourself. If you don't get it from other people, you have to just cut it and give it to yourself. Don't, don't ever chase someone down trying to ask for forgiveness because you're wasting time. Mm. You know, if you're really sincere, you ask for it, you did that. Now you divorce it and you move on and you now it's a new life. It's a new a reinvention. Mm. So I make sure that, you know, I, I don't hold grudges. And once I go to sleep, it's over. <laughs> Tomorrow we're good because I have to divorce it. Why hold it? It happened yesterday and it hurt me yesterday. I refuse to wake up and let it hurt me again. I can't do that. Mm. And I can't talk about, oh, you know, prison, prison, prison. I was set up. This, this, this. No, it happened. It's over with. All right, now what am I going to do about it? So that's what divorcing is. Cutting it. Cutting the ties with the past. What would you say to the people who say, hey, Kenneth, you know, I'm trying. I've let it go. I'm trying. I'm really trying to do good things for myself. I'm trying to continue to build, hey, I want to go into business for myself. I'm really trying. But people around me keep wanting to remind me. People keep around, around me keep bringing that up. They keep putting me in my past as, as, as if that is still who I am. What would you say to those people who are struggling with that? Put them in your past. They want to live in your past, put them there with it. <laughs> you don't have to be there with them. <laughs> you know, you like my past so much, you go with it. And that's it. You're divorced. Man, it's just that simple. You just got to let go. Let these people go. Mm. There's there's millions and millions of people in this world. Why are you holding on to the person that's holding you back? I don't care what. And, and I hate to say it. And it sounds like I'm don't I don't have compassion. But at some times, the emotion has to turn off and the logic has to turn on. Mm-hmm. And we are held with our emotions so much that it affects us throughout our whole life. And I think logically, and I have to, because when I keep saying yeah to something I want to say no to, that was the emotion. Mm. And I have to put the logic in there and I had to think about it and say, would I have done that? If I would have thought logically, it would the answer would have been no immediately and never contact me again. So you have to divorce the emotions too sometimes. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's it's just that it's just that simple. And I know it sounds hard. But trust me, just turn the emotion off for a second and think about what your future is going to be like if you continue doing that same thing with that same person a year from now. Mm. Wow, that's really profound. Um, I mean, in that you can apply that in so many different areas of life, not only letting go of maybe a, a dark past that you have experienced or you're, you've been a part of, but letting go of that toxic person that for whatever reason you're holding on to, but okay, let me look at this logically. Let me put my emotions to the side. Let me put all these feelings and everything to the side. And is this what's best for me? You know, I had to make that decision when, uh, so I was married uh, for about four years, but, you know, I had to come to a decision and, we, we weren't happy, weren't 100% happy for, for a little bit, right? And I, I started thinking and I put my emotions to the side. Like I say, and like we talked about before, I'm a people pleaser. So I just wanted to make her happy. And the thought of me not being there to do that is what was killing me. But then I was sacrificing a lot of myself and my own happiness. And I literally sat there one night and I said, okay, Caleb, you can sit here and you can play happy. You can be half happy for the rest of your life. Or you can just kind of cut things where they are. Think logically what's best for me 
sometimes you know that selfish selfishness is what's needed and pursue my own happiness and i had to do that without her so that's what it came down to that's what it came down to and what i hear is uh you know you put the emotions to the side and it shouldn't be a sacrifice if mm. i'm giving you my all you should be giving me your all why are we sacrificing anything mm. And I take a business approach to it. And if you think about it, business decisions are not made off of emotions. They're made off of logic. And the best businesses work that way and they continue to strive, mm-hmm. not because emotions. So, and everything's, everything's a business and everything's a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you made a business decision in a sense to say, you know what? I have, you've invested whatever years you have in your own life. You know, you're 30 years old. You've invested 30 years into that business of you. So why are you letting somebody come and corrupt it for the first two, three, or four years during that business? You got to cut off that cut off that employee or however you want to see it or whatever you want to call them. But your business of you is the best business there is. And that's the only one that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, that just, I just pictured like, you know, Donald Trump telling, telling people he's, they're fired. <laughs> they gotta go that's uh, what it is. and i mean no you're right you're right you know um and that's a that's a great way to look at it is kind of like a business transaction and i think i think everybody's like oh you gotta have emotion and love and you know that and but really like is it worth the pain the hurt the toxicity everything that you're going through to be in this situation for quote unquote love right Right. You know, we 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 vet our friends, but we don't really vet our relationships. Mm. We'll vet a job because it's on paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? They pay me this amount of money. So you kind of at the end of the day, you're you're being sold for a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to relationship, that's the biggest investment right there. Cause you gotta spend most of your time with that person. You you guys start building things together, but you never vetted that person. You went off of how they made you feel that first day and think you're going to get it back again. And unless they make you feel that same way they did day one, then they don't need to be around. Mm. And that's friends or relationships. You got to start um, putting that stuff on paper. Put your relationship on paper. The good things that he or she does and the bad things he or she does. And and see, let's, let's see if this is a good, is, is this a good transaction that we're doing here? Hmm. The love should be there already. If everything's going good, the love's gonna come. Mm. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't always be that hard, really, right? It should <laughs> it just be. be there. It should just be there, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point because I I recently got out of a relationship that it, it was. We just tried so many times. I'm like, we shouldn't have to be trying this this just this much, try. right? This, <laughs> like, I mean, Where we're we trying. We're great friends now, but uh, it just it kind of came to the point where it's, why, why, it just shouldn't be this hard, right? And you guys are still friends, so that makes it good. Mm-hmm. So the business is still there. Mm-hmm. You're just not the manager now. You're just an employee. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people think that um, love has to mean forever, and it doesn't. You can always love somebody, but they don't always have to be right there in your life in that capacity forever. It doesn't that doesn't mean forever. I mean, you're loving someone, but you're not loving yourself. True. So yeah. divorce it. You talked about having kids before um, we started the podcast. How how has your setbacks and now you're owning and divorcing, how has that shaped you as a father well it helps me to understand my daughters first of all it helps me be able to communicate with them on their level and i can tell them and share my experiences mm-hmm. with everything that's that's happened and I'm, I'm just an overall happier person and my daughters they love it i'm not that strict person i'm just kind of like carefree mm-hmm. uh i wouldn't say to a certain extent to make people happy i'm just carefree <laughs> no, that's how I am. If it, if it makes you happy, then do it. Mm. And so just being through, uh, being around the rough people and people who just gave up on hope and gave up on life and angry at the world, it makes me be a happier person and I can be happy. 
a happier father. Mm. I like that. I'm not a father yet, but uh, <laughs> I would like to think that at some point um, I'd be a pretty good father. I, I'm a good <laughs> uncle. I'm a really good uncle. Not Being an uncle is the best, though, because I know it's not the same. Being an uncle is the best, though, because you can like spoil them rotten and then you have to give them back. So you don't have to deal yeah. with it. <laughs> exactly. I do that with my nephew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That That is amazing. Um, that is amazing, Kenneth. Uh, your story and the things that you've been through and, that, and the fact that you're able to speak not just able, but willing to be open and speak about your experiences so that others can learn from the things that you went through and now to where you are being, you know, the president of your your own company, um, running logistics for freight and brokerage and i i couldn't even begin to fathom what all that is probably entailed um but i know it takes a lot did you know that you were going to be ready to open up and tell your story what drove you to want to talk to people about what you went through well well, i was kind of shy about it and i was very hidden and uh, my sister mina she was like, listen, it's not about the story. It's not about your past. It's about what you're doing with that. Mm. And she was like, you should share, you should share it. And I was like, no, you know, I gave her some pushback. Like people don't want to hear that. And, and it's going to make me look bad. And she was like, no, trust me. So what you're doing and what you did while you was in there is going to make your story worthwhile. Mm. And I'm happy that I share it. Mm. It's, uh, you know, you're smart if you learn from your mistakes, but you, you're wise if you learn from someone else's. So I'm just trying to create wise people out here. I like that. Smart if you learn from your own mistakes, but you're wise if you learn from other people's. I like that. My my father was, was a, a preacher, so I was raised in the church. And, you know, they always told me that you want to go to a church where the preacher's got a testimony. It's got something so, something to share, you know, a story to tell. People go through things, you know. Uh, life isn't this fairy tale uh, for most of us, right? And there's things that aren't aren't handed to us on a silver platter. We make decisions that some sometimes put us in precarious positions or, you know, um, positions where we have our freedoms stripped or whatever. But when you're trying to learn from somebody, if like I wouldn't be sitting in your chair trying to tell people about how to overcome something uh that you know has gotten somebody um put in prison because i didn't i didn't experience that so i'm going to you know i would my teacher is going to be somebody that's lived it um right i like that that's a good point Mm -hmm. but we do it's not a fairy tale and where we are now is because of decisions we've made so we can own it or we can or we can just uh, you know, give it to somebody else for accountability and then continue going on that same path. So where do you see your, your company going? What's, what's the future look like for uh, a maritime freight and logistics? One well, five years, we'll be uh, working with ocean shipments and the next 10 years will be ocean and air. Oh, and we'll wow. Be doing, we'll be doing international shipping. Wow. And our... The partner company, which is my supply chain fit, is a fitness company. We're also going to have a nonprofit in the next two years, and we're working towards help, helping people and drivers become healthier with mm. better choices of food. Nice. Kenneth, is there such a thing as being overly ambitious? <laughs> Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how those two words go together. <laughs> they just popped in my head. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of you, but no, yeah, there's no yeah. such thing. You got to think big. If you don't mm. think big, you know, if I, if I say, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get out, and I, and I sit on that 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 prison card is not for people to feel bad for me or to play victim. I do it so you can see where I was at at the bottom. Mm. But if I sat there and say, you know, when I get out, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and I might try this. Well, mics don't work, mm-hmm. and mics don't even create thought. I said, I'm going to have a freight brokerage company and that's it. 
Now, is that too big of a thinking, being where I was at? Probably so. People thought I was crazy. So when I said 10 years from now that we'll be in air and ocean, just believe it's going to happen mm. because I already put my mind to it. And I guarantee you that's going to happen. Oh, I believe it. I definitely believe it. I just the energy that you have, uh, the positivity that that you you put off is is incredible. And you can tell that you are an ambitious man, but you're an ambitious, assertive and intentional man. So um, I, I definitely believe it. I definitely believe it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you you said you're going to be um, you're going to be writing a book. Oh, the book's in the making. I'm actually working on public speaking now. Okay. You know, after, after that post, I have so many people reaching out mm. and sharing their stories. I've, I've shed tears reading people's stories. Mm-hmm. And it just helped me realize that people are going through stuff, man. They are. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be strong to the public or we feel like we have to be strong to the public. But deep down inside in our homes, we are we're hurting. We're, we're addicted to something. We're going through depression. Mm-hmm. And life is not all fuzzy like we make it seem on social media. Mm-hmm. And that has just led me to say, you know what? I need to go out and tell my story everywhere on every stage I can. And so public speaking in the book is definitely in the makings right now. Would you say you're comfortable with being vulnerable or showing your vulnerability? I'm 100% comfortable. I mean, if, if I'm not vulnerable to myself mm. and I try to play hard, then what happens when I'm I'm snuck up on, and I'm not I'm not that tough strong person at that moment. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna be hurt. You know, uh, uh, I never I never play the strong tough guy in any situation. But when I was out before I went in, my persona was the tough guy. It wasn't me, and it's tiring trying to be somebody you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the tough guy. I'm not the fighter. It's not me. You know, I'm the thinker. Let me think things out. Mm. And being vulnerable is just another way for me to say this is who I am. And it's okay. Nice. I like that. Um, I always equate it to kind of like, you know, people fear people fear things that are uncomfortable. Vulnerability is something that's uncomfortable. So people try to mask it. I try to mask it, not just people, myself, you know, right? Um, yeah. We try to mask it with um, a show of strength. Um, I'm not, I don't want to cry in front of you. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, be passionate in front of you or compassionate or I don't want to show that because I don't want to show this, this weakness, uh, which I would, I would argue isn't a weakness. I think there's more strength than showing your vulnerability and being open about it than there is in trying to cover it up with a display of uh, whatever, uh, whatever you consider to be strong. So thank you for, for saying what you said. Cause I think a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're like, I, I don't, I don't know how to, well, I know how I just, I can't because I fear what people may perceive me as and fear that they may think that I'm weak. And those are the wrong people to be around. Mm-hmm. It, it, it goes back to the environment that you're in. You can, you can create your environment. There's no excuses. There's no reasons. And I know people have it bad and, and different areas or grow grew up in different situations. But what I'm saying is you still can create your path and you mm-hmm. can create that environment. And it's better to be lonely than to be scared to be who you are. Is there one last message that you have for the listeners in tackling their setbacks and owning and divorcing them? Yes. I would say to not let the setback be the reason you sit down. It's just it's just another way. If you get set back, now you can you can see the path ahead now because you, you have to get past that old path that you so-called failed on. Mm-hmm. So when you get set back, you can look at that path now and say, okay, I have to get past this path. Am I going to go the same route or am I going to go around it? You know, and that has to be the key takeaway. That failure is, is not real. It's only real when you stop moving it, moving towards your goal. So I've never, I've never failed. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fail when I stop trying. Oh, so okay. keep keep going. Don't sit down. You stand up and you keep moving. This is recalculate. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Uh, it's been a pleasure you a pleasure having you on uh, Ignite for this incredible, insightful, and illuminating ignition of our our lives and our minds uh, on this lesson of setbacks and owning and divorcing those setbacks. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Ignite podcast. Uh, please go and take a listen and follow us on Instagram at at the underscore Ignite podcast. There's soon to be a YouTube channel as well. Go rate and review us, please. And uh, please give me your, your, your thoughts and ideas if you're interested in being a torchbearer or something else that you want to learn about. And I will go and find the experts. So Kenneth, can you tell us about what you're doing, what you're working on, and where we can find you? Yes. So what I'm doing is helping people. I'm going to help them by sharing my story of my pain. And you can find me on MaritimeFreight.com or at Maritime Freight on any social media. My LinkedIn is Kenneth Carter, the Roman number three. And we have some big things in, in the making. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for that book. I want to be one of the first <laughs> ones to, to get a book. I want. Oh, I want you'll, you'll get one. <laughs> yes, I want a book. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And I want to pick your brain about the writing process, too, because I think I want to go ahead and write a book myself. But um, okay. uh, Kenneth, like uh, you, you're, you've joined now a, a club of uh, torchbearers. So um, none of our torchbearers on Ignite are ever a one and done unless you choose to be. So I would love to have you on the podcast again in the future. And to give us another lesson, because as you said, um, life continues. You continue to have experiences and you continue to learn. So I, I would love to continue to learn some more as well through some of your experiences and through your eyes. So thank you again for joining me here this evening on the Ignite podcast. Would you like to take us out? Yes. I'm Kenneth Carter III, president of Maritime Freight and Logistics. And you have been listening to the Ignite podcast and I pass the torch.